Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It's 133 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you in Oilers Now. You know, Cars cost less and out in Wetaskiwin, and I was talking to Uncle Mild at Brent Ridge Ford. He told me that sales were strong all summer and that his used inventory that normally runs from 50 to 70 units is down to 10 units. He needs trades. Not only will a Ford Motor Company give you $1,000 to $2,500 trade and a bonus for your 2016 or older trade, but Brent Ridge Ford in Wetaskiwin will pay top dollar for any trade just to restock the shelves as well. Hurry now to see our friends, Uncle Milt, Rich, Johnny, and the gang, and those Flames guys that work at Brent Ridge Ford as well. They'll give you the best deal. Brent Ridge Ford, your Ford truck authority on the Auto Mile in Wetaskiwin. Without further ado, we welcome back to the show. Host of Inside Sports, the mega talented Reed Wilkins, who apparently is going to be uh, pulling some extra time uh, during the course of uh, today at six thirty. Chad, Reed, how was your weekend? Oh, it was quite good, Bob. I didn't see a lot of Georgia and Alabama. I started watching about halfway through the third quarter, and I did not see Georgia score a point. Yep. Uh, so uh, Alabama pretty much took over the game after that. So I didn't get the thrills and spills that, that I, I feel like you might have promised me last week. No, but uh, Alabama completely took the game over. So uh, that was good. And then NFL, uh, it was kind of a weird day because I started watching – what did I start with? I started with Cleveland and Pittsburgh and dropped yes. out of that by halftime because it was a blowout. Uh, I flipped over to New England-Denver. And that one wasn't overly interesting. And then I kind of caught the end of Indianapolis and Cincinnati, which was uh, exciting, but I was kind of doing some stuff, so I wasn't fully engaged. And then I watched uh, Green Bay and Tampa Bay, which was supposed to be the game of the day, or one of them. And that that (laughs) turned into a bit of a blowout. There were a lot of duds yesterday. You know, Reed, what's interesting, who who do you think is the most exciting player right now in the NFL? (sighs) You know, that's a good question. I, and for I don't know why, but for whatever reason, I haven't seen Lamar Jackson play as much as some of the other guys. And that's where I'm going to go next. Like, but it would, it would you know, probably be him, though I, I love watching Mahomes, and obviously sure. they went all the way in the playoffs. You know, Henry is just a very unique talent with his size and speed and power. And actually, one of the guys I like watching, Bob, is because – I, I, he's he's a tough player, and I also have him in fantasy football, so I have some emotional investment. He's not as entertaining on the levels of Jackson or Mahomes, but I find him entertaining to watch. Is George Kittle the 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 tight end from the San Francisco 49ers. All right, I'm I'm just gonna throw this out there, like. Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, to me, are the two most exciting players in the National Football League. We've seen KC a bunch, and I don't know what it is with Bell between CTV and TSN. But they never put Baltimore on, you know, they've got like, there's, I don't know, three different options you have in terms of, you know, the, the different networks uh, between CTV1, CTV2, and then TSN3 or 5 or whatever. And it seems like the Ravens are never on. 
And I'm, I'm like, why is that? And, you know, I don't know. It's interesting. Like, hey, you, you know, Chicago and Carolina probably got off to better starts read than people thought. But do we really need that game on multiple different channels? And people are going to say, Stafford, don't be cheap. Pay for the full NFL package. I'm like, well, you know, you'd think once every two weeks you'd get the Ravens. I, I just find it kind of interesting. So, but then again, well, what it's do interesting I? the Ravens have, uh, I'm just double checking to be sure have not been on Sunday night football and have only one Sunday night appearance, though they are the Thursday Thanksgiving evening game against the Steelers. And then they uh, had the Monday night game with Casey earlier this year. Right, which, was, which to me is clearly the best game on the Monday night schedule this year without even having to look at the rest. Because right. obviously over the last 15 years, Sunday night's become the premier game and Monday night has become sometimes more of a niche game. But I was surprised when... Uh, I was surprised when the Sunday night schedule came out that the Ravens weren't on earlier in the season. Uh, I, I was a little surprised over the last four weeks, over the last five weeks, they've gone to Seattle twice and San Francisco twice. And I like watching those teams, but kind of packing them in early. But uh, it is, yeah, even nationally in the States, I thought the Ravens would get, I, like with the MVP, I thought they'd get three Sunday nighters, which is kind of what the best teams and players usually get. Yeah, I was. I don't know. It's uh, it's, it's interesting. And, and look, I, I get that there's fans. There's a lot of Denver fans in Edmonton. I've found over the years. Uh, I think some of us have felt at times we've been force fed Seattle. I mean, I used to work at a station where a guy pretended and it, and he was pretending to be an NFL expert, and all the only team he knew was Seattle, and he knew nothing about the history of the league or anything like that. But you know, we get we get Spokane TV right with our CBS package or with our Fox package, or whatever, uh, with the cable out of Spokane. So we get a fair amount of Seattle, but it's just to me, it's disappointing we haven't had a chance to see Lamar play a little bit more because he's such an exciting player. That's a given. I had Lance Lysowski on out of uh, Buffalo on Taylor Hall. Uh, it's mm-hmm. been inter- interesting reading some of the stuff out of there. Um, that is a big signing for that club. We're not sure what's going to happen here, Reed. I don't even know if we're going to play. We're going to get into that in a second. You've had a week to decompress things. Number one, what do you feel about the Oilers' body of work? And number two, what do you think of Hall's decision to go to Buffalo now that you've had a week to think about it? Overall, I like the Oilers' body of work. I, I mean, we've talked a lot about Tyson Berry. I, I think that's a really good ad. He's hungry. It's it's only for a year, so if it goes sideways, you know, you, you get out of it. But I do think he'll bounce back. And I do think he's going to help the power play, which I know was already number one in the league, but I think he's going to be a big help there. I like adding Turris. Again, kind of a low-risk signing, and he's a better third-line center than who the Oilers have tried to deploy in that role in in previous seasons. So he doesn't have to come in and get two-thirds of a point a game or you know even if he's around half a point a game even if he's at 0.45 I think that's that's pretty effective and, and maybe he can help whatever wingers he winds up playing with. I think in goal, you know, obviously they were shooting for someone other than Mike Smith. I, I think at most it's going to be a 60-game season, so maybe Koskinen starts 40 and Smith starts 20. Now, they they were good enough in the regular season last year, and I do think the roster the Oilers have is, is enough to make the playoffs again, kind of probably with a similar points percentage that they finished in. I, I, I see them maybe finishing between 8 and 13, and then I think how it's ultimately going to be evaluated is is what happens in the postseason. Because I look, there are there are weaknesses in the roster, 
but there are some pretty prominent strengths too. And I think it's enough to get them into the postseason. Um, overall, I like what they did. Like Barry's an ad and, and, and the four and bringing back Puliarvi is, is kind of a no risk deal. They're not all going to work out as we've seen in the past, right. but I think Ken Holland touched enough bases that, and he did the same thing last year, you know, Granlin and Yurko and some guys who didn't stick around, at least he took shots with them and he had other players vying for the same roles and they got those roles. So I, I, you know, one question I've been asked a lot is, are the Oilers better than last year? I think they have the potential to be a little bit better in the regular season, but ultimately, as, as we've seen with, with other franchises and we saw with Washington for many, many years, what are they going to eventually wind up doing in the playoffs? So we're a long way from perhaps really knowing, but, but I like most of the stuff Holland did. Yeah, I think we'll be lucky to play more than 48 games if we play an all-Canadian schedule. And that is a possibility because of the border situation and where we're at with COVID right now, Bryn. Uh, you know, we're, we're in a scenario where maybe, Reed, we're, we got, you know, seven Canadian teams, only four theoretically might make the playoffs in that scenario. And I think there's six pretty good teams in Canada. Like Vancouver and Calgary were right there in the regular season with the Oilers. And... Uh, you know, obviously Winnipeg was in the – and actually Winnipeg was kind of on the outside looking in but still had a chance in the central. And then Montreal's got to be better than they were. I mean, they they were lucky to have gotten in, but the fact is I think they vastly improved their team. Uh, talk about a 1-2 goalie punch there. They're set there. That's an important position. And then to me, Toronto had a, had a pretty decent – they've got a pretty decent club. So uh, it could be a battle to, you know, if, if we go all Canadian, Reed – we might be talking just four spots, right? I, I, I wonder, Bob, if, if they only play 48 games, Let's because I think that's the lowest possible that they would play. Maybe you'd do 44, maybe. But 48 seems to be the lowest number that's speculated. I wonder if they would expand the postseason again. Maybe not to 24, but maybe to 20. And they'd say the top four in each of the geographical divisions and then just four wild cards, regardless of points. I also think it's possible that when the schedule comes out, let, let's just say hypothetically, they say the season is going to start February 1st. I'll just pick that as a hypothetical date. Sure. And they announce a schedule, say, December 15th or January 1st. Maybe they only announce the first 24 games. Maybe they say, okay, for February and uh, up till the end of the third week of March or middle of March, it's a Canadian division, and then we're going to decide – if we can then go back to a more traditional schedule with a little more traveling. I, I, I really do think it's possible. And the ECHL did it. Now, I know that's a couple of leagues below the NHL, but I, I do wonder if, if the NHL might say, because Gary Bettman has been very clear through all this that he's not going to rush. They're going to be patient. They want to leave all possibilities open. Whenever he's, he's asked to speculate, he's doesn't want to but but we can do it and and i wonder if they might say all right from february 1st till march 20th there's a canadian division and there's these other geographical divisions in the in the united states and here's half the schedule and then we'll give it a month to see what happens with covid with fans being allowed with more travel and then maybe they'll they'll open it up. So I think that's possible. And I do also think if it's a really short season, maybe there's a mini round just so if there is a, a geographical division where the teams are really tough, that would allow a fifth or even a sixth place team to get in for a mini for like for like a mini round. Maybe they do a best of three this time. You know, Reed, that might be one of the smartest suggestions you've ever made. And <laughs> well, and, 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 and and no, I mean it. Like and it it to me what resonates is is your thinking. 
And I, I do think it's incumbent upon organizations at all levels to be exhaustive to try to come up with solutions, which why, uh, which is why, Reid, I was so exasperated with what U Sports did. You know, pulling the plug on March championships in October, to me, just defied logic. Like, you know, what's the rush? Why not see where things go uh, in the back half of November and in December so you could start up in January and maybe still have some national championships? And it was almost like, well, we can just save money this year so the health of student-athletes, we won't play. And and so that's like, like I look at the Western Hockey League, they're trying to find a way to play. I look at the NCAA, they're trying to find a way to play. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens with the American Hockey League. We might see a situation like in that scenario that you suggested, some people have said maybe it makes sense to have the three American uh, affiliates for Canadian teams move to Canada. And maybe it's just for the first, like you said, maybe it's for two months. Because we don't know what's what's going to happen in terms of the border. And that's going to be – so it's re- a really interesting idea that you came up with. Do you think there's a chance that we don't play? Oh, well, I, of course I think there's a chance. But I, I think it's unlikely, Bob, just, just because of what other leagues have been able to do. The NFL is – obviously plowing through they they've had to reschedule i think it's up to seven or eight games now that have had to yep. be moved around and if and if they get later in the season and have to do it when teams don't have bye weeks maybe they're going to be in a jam or they might have to use points percentage if a team finishes with 15 games but because of what the nfl has been able to do and, and see and if the nhl has to reschedule games it should hypothetically be easier because you can cram in a back-to-back or have a team play four and five and i also think what baseball has done as I don't know, Bob, like perhaps as reckless as it might've seemed when it started with baseball in certain markets, like maybe I'm overstating it a little bit, but when baseball got going and you know, there, there were positive tests and series being wiped out and they were just still going into markets where there were a lot of cases, I was pretty skeptical, but baseball, you know, plowed through and now they're into the world series and baseball only played 60 games. And like part of part of the and you and I have talked how our our affinity and our affection for baseball has declined a lot in the last 20 years, but still part of the appeal of baseball is that you play almost every day for 6 months. And and they still when that's what baseball always has. It's like you got to you got to do it for 162 games. Oh, you know what's the difference between an all-star and a and a guy in AAA? It's like, you know, two two hits a month or four hits a month whatever it is. So they've always kind of um you really celebrated that it's a grind. It's a grind. You play almost every day for six months and they just threw it out the window and played <laughs> only played for two months. And there's, but they're still going to get their season in. And when the record books are printed, you know, when they have them, when the sports almanacs come out in 2080, it's not going to say season canceled. It's going to say there's, there's, there was a champion, either the, either the, the, the Dodgers or the Rays. So just because of how other leagues have figured it out, I, I think it's highly unlikely that the NHL would pull the plug on the season. I mean, I, maybe I agree. There, there probably aren't going to be bubbles. Maybe there are neutral site games, Bob. I, I mean, you know, maybe maybe the Oilers will play uh, 20 games at Rogers Place and, and, and 20 on the road and eight just in other cities when there are other teams there to play. There's, a, there's another solution. But just be, because of what other leagues have been able to do, I, I can't see the NHL being the one that, that doesn't proceed, especially if maybe we're in a better situation by January or February. All right, I'm going to read a text, read, and then uh, I'm going to ask another question. This is going to get some of the listeners going. Victor says, 
Bob, as soon as Trump is out, Trudeau will work with Biden to allow for an exemption for professional sports teams. Provide a uh, COVID test before leaving the States. Test again every couple days while they're in Canada without a 14-day quarantine. And you'll see American teams finish their Canadian matchups in one or two road trips, an easy trip, and a West trip. Book it. That comes to us from Victor. We'll see what happens in U.S. elections. And, yes, I've checked 538. We all know the situation is to uh, what the what the polling indicates but the polling indicated something different in 2016 too as well hey you didn't answer the read you didn't answer the question on taylor hall and buffalo oh right sorry because <laughs> i got so yappy on the other topic i was very surprised that he went there and i i've heard you going over buffalo's roster and i heard your last segment and certainly kruger seems to be quite quite popular there but I, I still don't see them as a team that was just Taylor Hall away from either winning the Stanley Cup or being a team that can finish in the top six or seven in the overall standings. So I, I was surprised he went there. But who, who knows? I mean, maybe, maybe they're the team that all of a sudden um, it explodes forward, but they, they didn't look like it. they were that close to me last year whenever I saw them. And I know obviously they've had a really tough run for several years, but I, I was surprised he went there. But I guess good for Hall that he obviously really looked around and really considered every option and didn't just think, okay, here are the top eight teams from last year and I'm only going to one of those teams. And and what it, it really, and I guess from an Oilers perspective, Bob, and, and sometimes we, we do go down this road, it was several years ago now, but maybe there's that big what if with Ralph Kruger if he had been, if he had been retained as the head coach. That that was a really interesting year, the yeah. 48 game season he coached because they did have that nice little burst and they were in a playoff spot with 12 games left. They had played they, almost everybody had games in hand on them, so you knew it was still going to be tough, but then they only went I think it was either 3 and 9 or 2 and 10 in the last 12 anyway, so they took themselves out of it. But but what people forget about that year in 12-13, here's the difference. And this is part this is part of my frustration why I have appreciation for Oilers fans. Uh, in 12-13 the West was the dominant conference, right? Like Chicago had won the cup in 2010, they win it again in 13 and again in 15. LA had won with big boy heavy hockey in 12 and 14, and Vancouver blew the series against Boston. So, yet San Jose was a really good team. Anaheim was a big heavy team. San Jose experienced heavy team. LA big boy hockey. Vancouver a little bit different team, but they were a pretty good club still back then. You know, and then the you know, then Chicago was in the central and they were, you know, a, a mini dynasty at that time. Like the West was way better than the East, and sometimes I wonder if there wasn't a little bit of an overreaction to the fact that the Oilers didn't get further along at that time. Reed, I got to tell you that. Like the West was, it was, and you know what? There was a shift, and Edmonton was maturing with their young players, and now it's the East that's been the better conference over the last several years. Well, and Dubnik had some games that season where I thought, okay, like he's really. He's really starting to be yep. a number one goal. He was a 921 save percentage. Now, his one loss percentage doesn't look very good 14, 16, and six, but that would have kind of cratered at the end of the season. I, I mean, I thought he gave the Oilers really good goaltending that year, and you thought, okay, this is finally the, the player the Oilers drafted 14th overall. 
Yeah, and, you know, uh, the Oilers had good young players. They had some older support players that were challenged. They needed to upgrade those areas, and they made a, a, a big change. It, it, is, it, it is interesting just in terms of given that Hall recircled back to, to Kruger. Uh, and, again, there's lots of teams, if they had more money, would have gotten in the game and maybe made it a more difficult decision for uh, uh, Taylor. Uh, are you pulling double duty today, Reed? Uh, well, I'm helping out on afternoons from 4 to 6, so I'll be on there. And then Inside Sports is at uh, at 6. Uh, our buddy Gene Principe is coming on tonight. We're going to talk to John Krasinski from The Athletic Minnesota about the incredible life and career of Sid Hartman, who was uh, still writing sports at the age of 100 and passed away yesterday. And the Double E Football Team Coaches Show with Milanovic and Morley is at 7.30. Awesome stuff, Reed. Thank you for your time. See you. 153 in Edmonton. Bob Stoffer with you. Going to tell you at this time, Royal Pizza, Pizza Past, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years. Royal Pizza offers curbside pickup and takeout options for a menu and a list of their 13 Edmonton and area locations. Go online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. The Stoffer recommendation at Royal Pizza, the Mediterranean chicken. It's interesting. I mean, Edmonton's got two of the best players in the world. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, he's got a year left in his deal. I've got nothing to report at this time, uh, but you heard Ken Holland last week. Clearly, there's a uh, an appreciation uh, for what Nugent Hopkins does. Uh, Darnell Nurse in the back end, obviously, the cleft bomb injury status has changed the complexion a little bit, but the Oilers have got you know uh, a couple guys playing in different divisions. Uh, part of it has to do with who can leave. Swedish players can leave. The Swedish uh, top league, the SHL, North Americans can't if they sign in the SHL, which is part of the reason why guys like Lavoie and Bouchard ended up in Division Two. But Broberg, Bouchard, Sam Rukoff playing in KHL. Edmonton's got some young prospect defensemen coming to support the likes of a Bear and, uh, and a Jones that gained some traction last year. You know what? You can't import leadership. But you have a chance to grow a group together and go through some tough times. And some of you are too young to recall what happened to the Edmonton Oilers back in 81-82, a team of seven Hall of Fame players losing to a team that was 48 points behind them in the regular season. Thinking of going old school, here we go. This day in Oilers history. On this date, back in 1979, back at the 630 Jet Studios, Brendan Escott. The Oilers win for the first time as an NHL club, beating Quebec 6-3 at Northlands Coliseum. Blair McDonald was the one who led the way, the franchise's first NHL hat trick. He had uh, 46 goals that season for the Edmonton Oilers in 79-80. Coming up tomorrow, special guest at 12-10. You're going to want to hear him. Okay. Good guest. We'll tweet it out at 11. Uh, we will also hear from Mark Spector for the horses and horse racing Alberta presenting live racing Friday and Sunday evenings at Century Mile. Spectator access limited due to COVID restrictions, but you can watch and wager online at hbibet.com. And at 1.35 tomorrow, Sportsnet color analyst Drew Remenda. Up next, the global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell, followed by a simulcast of the Rob Breckenridge Show out of CHQR 770 in Calgary. Reed sliding in at four. So long, everybody, from Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.